The Old Gold Club. Powered by Wolverhampton Building Supplies. The one-stop shop for all your building and DIY products. Hello there, welcome to The Old Gold Club. This is episode eight. I'm Mikey Burrows, Chris Owellamo alongside me. We'll talk to our guest, Ali Robertson, very shortly indeed um we've got some very special news coming up very soon uh, that's not the news by the way that weird noise in the background i think they're just doing some drilling somewhere in molyneux that wasn't the special news um we are going to have a big giveaway that we are going to be doing in a couple of weeks time so everybody you need to get following at wv build supplies on twitter that's the twitter account of our sponsor wolverhampton building supplies and also um if you can think about leaving us a review and a rating on itunes it could be beneficial did they get a, a little man hug like I got this morning when I came in? I thought I really appreciated it as well. By I the, know, yeah. It was needed. Looms, Looms phoned me on the way in and said that he was feeling really down and just needed some love. So I gave him a big hug. Ali, a hug. I'm happy. I'm happy. <laughs> Ali's looking at me like he doesn't want a hug. But no. We'll, <laughs> we'll see how this goes. <laughs> see what happens. Just before we get to Ali, uh, David Kelly was our episode last week um, talking of the infamous punch at, yep. at Bolton. I, I found it fascinating that he wasn't a fan of VAR, even though it, it would have made a massive difference in his career. Yeah, that really surprised me. You know, I think if in that game especially, if uh, if, if it is a, a red card shown, they probably go on extra time, win the game, and it's a special moment. And that's something that a lot of players don't... You know, they, they have a long career, and I was talking about this yesterday, and they don't. I got promoted five times. A lot of players go through and play a, a lot, and they don't experience moments like that. And that could have been one of those special moments. And VAR would have definitely made the difference. See, Ali, you must have had some of those moments in your career. I mean, you probably got some moments where if there's VAR, you might have got <laughs> you <laughs> sent off. <laughs> yes. In our day, there was certain things happened off the ball too many times, and you, you, you it happens. My first one that happened to me, we played against Chelsea and Peter Osgood. Uh, I'm chasing the ball back to my goals I've hooked it over his head and he went you won't do that again sir so I've done it again the ball goes in the box he's just punched me knocked me out and as, as off the, walking off the pitch he's, he put his arm around me and he just says now remember when an old man tells you something listen <laughs> <laughs> but 10 years later I did it to Carrie Shaw it's one of those things I went in to tackle him and he's pulled the ball he's made me look a right idiot and I thought, he won't do that again. So I thought, now I know his trick. I've got to whack him that way. And he's pulled it the other way. And I thought, you little so-and-so. So can I ask you then, Are you? do you think there is a place for VAR in, in football today? I think I think it is. But they should use it 100%. Not, on, on black and white scenario, yes, like, yes. scenarios. That's yeah. exactly what it is. I, I, I kind of agree, mate. I think it's... Like me and you could go and watch a game of football on a Saturday and go and sit in the pub afterwards and have completely different opinions okay. in the match. And that's what's... That's what makes football amazing. I think VAR used properly kind of disrupts that. I don't, see. I don't. I don't think so. We've had this debate before. Like, I think if it for certain things like offside decisions or is it in the penalty area and whatnot, like they're clear things that you can't argue with when you see them back. Well, that's on it, black TV. or white, isn't it? Yeah. So it's fine with that. Yeah. I, I get at the point when people say about Penalties. you know you take away the because a lot of it can be opinions and it yeah, can be down to a referee's opinion stuff but if it if it helps get the right decision more often than not mm-hmm. as long as you accept it's not going to be 100% perfect i think it's fine i think for me i think it would be great i would have three p 
people watching it and they vote on what they think is right. So it's either two against one, three against them. So it's always, there's three people, so there's always going to be a one, somebody's got to win the vote. And it's got to be, it's their idea, their thoughts, they think it is that way, and you've got the... Yeah, but Ali, that's the, whoever's in that in that little room looking at the, the monitor, they then say to the referee, the referee comes mm. down to him at the end of the day to of look course. at it yeah. and say, right, okay, so he can have three opinions, yeah. but it still comes down to him. Yeah. Now, me and you, the three of us could sit and watch Completely a, 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 yeah. an incident of someone getting taken down in the box, and it could be two to one saying it's a penalty kick. The referee looks at it and thinks, no, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a clean challenge, there's been contact there, or it's not a... And this is what I'm saying. It's, it's too much of a grey area yeah. for right. moments like that. Which, which you got to remember as well. Yeah. The money that's in football today, decisions, teams go get relegated on a point, people lose their jobs. There's so much reliant on it that if it's not perfect, why bring it in? I mean, he's only saying that because he knows. That I'm playing the devil's advocate. Well, no. <laughs> he, he knows that most of the time, if he's any goal that he scored, I said he fouled in the build-up too. Yeah, yeah. He got away with so much. This man has he's hounded me on social media. <laughs> Every post that I make, foul, foul. You know what? A goal's a goal. And it's one of them. If it's a foul, it's a foul. But you know what? I, I took one red card in my career and that was here for a headbutt that I never even... I got headbutted, Ali. And I got the red card. That scoring the hat trick, three 0 up. Why am I going to headbutt someone? You know what I mean? I've, I've right. you'd be laughing. Exactly. Now, if I was marking you, I would headbutt you. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've got loads that we're going to get to, but just before we get to the proper show, um, lots of people have been sending us their memories of the Sherpa Van Trophy final. Um, it was kind of remarkable in that. Um, when you watch some of the highlights, kind of little things back from me, the TV reports at the time, they kind of say like, oh, about 40,000 Wolves fans. But if you talk to Wolves fans, there must have been way more than that there because the numbers of people who claimed they were in the stadium that day, 50 plus maybe? Easy. There must have been 50-odd thousand Wolves fans there that day. But for me, what was, was fantastic was to have joined the club when the crowds here were down to two and 3,000 to see a club with so much history and be in the position that it was, but all of a sudden now we're playing Burnley at Wembley in a cup final. Okay, it was a Sherpa Van Cup final, what a lot of people say is it means nothing. That meant a lot to the players and the club at that time. And what was even funnier, Graham Turner took us, we had won the third division or the fourth division at the time, and he, he took us for a week's holiday in Spain. When we were in Spain, Burnley were there at the same place as we were. <clears throat> so we had drinking competitions, we had everything. And we won all the drinking competitions because Jackie Gallagher was the best drinker you could ever have. <laughs> so when myself and Ian Britton were walking out to Wembley, I looked at him and I said to him, well, we beat you at drinking, now we've got to beat you at football today, so I hope we can do that. But travelling to, to Wembley that day, everything was just golden black. It was incredible to see so many fans come to Wembley to watch that. Do you think, it was brilliant. Do you think Wembley's to go out and play at Wembley now? It's lost that that special. Yeah, I think I'm I'm one of those old fashioned ones. You have cup finals there, and you have your internationals there. Nothing else. Don't That's what Wembley is there for. It's there for winning a special cup, FA Cup, League Cup, our cup, and all international games. I don't think we should be playing playoffs and things there. Don't think at all. Obviously, Tottenham have been playing there. Yeah. Because um, you'd beaten Burnley and you're in the league 
that season. So were you always confident that you were going to go and... No, it's always one of those. You always put in the back of your head, we've beaten them already, please don't let them beat us today. And I remember standing and saying to the lads when we were, we were going out to the, the pitch, I said, lads, this is for those people out there. Because to, to look at the fans and to see the fans, I says, this is for them. We need to do this for them. And it was great that we won it. It was fantastic. I was unlucky. I got injured and I was off at halftime. And uh, I was absolutely gutted because I wanted to be there all the way through. But finishing my career and to walk up those steps to pick up that cup, incredible, incredible. You seem like such a leader. You know, obviously going off injured, it's such a big game as well. Was there a fear then that the, the boys crumble then or not? Because you were very influential. That's on and off the pitch, weren't you? So, Yeah, the one thing that I look at the game afterwards, we had all the game in the first half. When I come off, they seem to have more chances in the second half. But the lads did brilliant. The lads did brilliant. And it it was great to see us win. And if, if you see me on the camera at the, the, when we won it, I says, this has got to be the first of many for these lads. And I thought those lads would go up to the... The one thing I do regret in my career, I just wish I'd been two or three years younger. When we, when we got into the second division, we won the fourth, the third, and into the second... Yeah. I would have loved to be another year or two years to go fourth, third, second and get into the first, the old first division. Yep. That is a person finishing a career. That would have been incredible. But it was fantastic to finish having gone fourth, third, second and win the Sherpa van. That was great. Great end to a career. Watching some of the... I say I was watching it back um, on the internet the other day and it's like iconic images of like you limping up to lead them mm. up to go and lift it, that determination to go and lift that trophy. Because you hadn't won anything in your career before. That, that, I've always been, that was the biggest thing for me as well. We'd been to three semi-finals, never got to a final. And I'm saying, come on, lads, we need this. This is for them outside. But it was really for me as well, because I, I wanted to win something. And to walk up those steps meant so much, like I said earlier. But if it, if it could have been for an FA Cup final or a League Cup, that would be incredible. That would be incredible. Because there's also a bit as well, um, when you watch, I, I think it was a, a local news kind of TV report from the final that I was watching, and they're actually interviewing you in the dressing room. Mm-hmm. Like, you wouldn't see it now, yeah. but like it was like all the celebrations going off in the background, and you're just kind of chilled there, like casually just chatting to the camera. Yeah, yeah. I remember that, because we, they were all in, and we were all, you can imagine what we were like. It, it was fantastic, all the lads laughing, joking, and I'm having to try and be serious to talk to this person <laughs> on the radio. But uh, it, was, it was a great time in my life. Absolutely fantastic. Was it, so, so was it emotional as in, because you're, you're, you're hanging the boots up, you've won, like you say, you've you've had the career you've had, mm-hmm. 500 plus games and the rest, and uh, then you're winning a trophy. Mm-hmm. It must have been... It, it was, I can always remember, I've got, like I come from a big, big family, I've got yep. six sisters, five brothers, and uh, I said to him, I says, come on then, he's all coming down to Wembley to watch. And I says, so come on, I'll get you his tickets. I says, I want you to watch. I want you to walk up those steps. I says, come on. And all my family come down. It was it was brilliant. It was brilliant. And it was quite funny. As, as we're 
going round Wembley Stadium, my brothers are all standing up giving me some stick. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, oh, it was fantastic. Absolutely. Um, these are just some of the messages that people have sent in about it. Mike Howe said, I tried to get a Wolves top for the final and everywhere it sold out. Eventually managed to find a top being advertised by a sports shop in Kings Winford. Went and found it and it was long-sleeved, but that was all they had. I was gutted until I wore it to school and everybody was after it. The weekend of the final I spent in London, went to Wembley and met my dad, granddad and brothers stood on the terrace behind the goal and all I remember was wolves everywhere I looked amazing day with fantastic memories and it's meant that he always tries to get a long sleeve shirt now every time wolves try and get (laughs) success. Mark Asprey said one of the best days ever my girlfriend and I, now his wife went down to Wembley on my motorbike with a sea of gold and black bumper to bumper all the way, great free kick and great result with a dominant wolves team from start to finish, those were the days Chris Hall went on the coach with the youth club can't believe my mom and dad let me go was only 14 great day sean smith lost my shoe during a terrace surge early in the first half spotted it being thrown around during the game found it again following the second goal surge fabulous day mark kendall was brilliant that day he says uh, Jeffrey Lloyd great day out for me my best friend was a Burnley supporter God bless him we went in my car not a bad word on way back truly fantastic day out we'll never forget Matt Blythe says my biggest memory of it is being between two big clubs who'd fallen on hard times back at Wembley and still able to fill the stadium now back where they belong when, when you say Mark Kendall Mark Kendall <clears throat> absolutely brilliant and Floyd Street that day the two of them were out this world those two won us again those two won us again Mark Kendall, God bless him. He was absolutely fantastic the whole two seasons. He was brilliant. When you listen to those messages now, were you aware at the time just what that victory and what that team were doing meant to the fans? What what we couldn't believe was on the Sunday when we come back to to Wolverhampton and we went through the town, I laughed because we won promotion there to the Premiership and how many fans and everything were there, that was exactly the same for us. And it just showed you what that meant for the club and the fans to see it again there. Absolutely brilliant. You didn't, you didn't realise how many people turned out. And it's fantastic to see, and like I said earlier, to see a club that was down on its... It was out of the, the game, really. And all of a sudden to see it back up, booming, back to with everybody. Brilliant. Special memories. It, the, the fans, I used to... When, when we were down in the fourth division and the fans were a bit, not not nasty, but they, they, they'd let you know if you weren't playing very well. And I used to say to the lads, I said, forget them fans, we need to win. Once we start winning, they'll back us. And then, of course, we get on a run and, of course, we go from 3,000 to 29,000, 30,000. The whole fan, the attitudes change because they see us winning and all of a sudden the fans change completely. Yeah. And it, it's brilliant to be there and to see it, but being the old man when it wasn't going well to keep the lads going come on lads just win it's okay just win forget how we play just win and we'll get them to change and the whole the whole stadium changed it was brilliant because that was you've said the other club was on its knees I was surprised by your your story just before we we, we started really I'd, I'd like to hear it again when you first came in 
exactly what you came into. fire, because we're going to get that on the podcast. (laughs) We're going to get that on our Facebook show, and we start that in just a minute. I love how excited you are. (laughs) I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Um, We've got so much we're going to talk to you about, Ali. Um, If, as ever, if anyone, if you have anything that you'd like us to talk about with future guests, oldgoldclub at wolves.co.uk is our email address. You can also uh, get in touch with us via social media at wolves across the different social media channels. And remember to go and give a follow to our sponsor Wolverhampton Building Supplies they are at WV Build Supplies on Twitter the show is coming next Wolverhampton Building Supplies is a one-stop shop for all your building and DIY products whether you're a professional builder or just looking to put a shelf up at home they'll supply you with everything you need on time and at the best possible price and they even do next day delivery Best of all, their prices include VAT, so there's no awkward surprises at the checkout. So contact their dedicated trade counter team either at their yard at 372 Bilston Road, Wolverhampton or online at wolverhamptonbuildingsupplies.co.uk or just give them a call on 01902 500140. Welcome along to the Old Gold Club. I'm Mikey Burrows alongside me, Chris Owellamo, and our guest this week spent four years at Molyneux playing a huge part in the rebuild of the club in the late 80s, lifting the Sherpa Van Trophy at Wembley, winning back-to-back promotions, cementing his place in Wolves history books, even though he made his name down the road at the Hawthorns. Welcome to the Old Gold Club, Ali Robertson. Hello. Um, We have to start with the elephant in the room. (laughs) The 18 years or so that you spent as an Albion player, synonymous really with a large part of Albion's history. What was it like coming and being such a big part of Wolves' history? It was very hard because having been 18 years at the Albion and I only come because Brian Little, who was a good friend, I'd kicked him a few times on the perk and we were, we become very good friends. He just says, why don't you come as player coach? And I've gone, I can't come to the Wolves. I says, good God. I says, what's going to happen? He says, no, you, you'll be all right, you'll be all right. But then I says, right, okay, I'll sign. So I've come, come down on the first morning, come to the club. So I says to Brian, where's my kit? And he goes, sorry? I says, where's my kit? He went, oh, you've not got any kit. I says, what, there's no kit? He says, no, no, no boots, no kits, no nothing. So it's a horrible thing to say. I had to go back to Dave Matthews at West Brom and ask him for kit. I says, by the way, you can't give me anything blue and white. I says, because I'm at the Wolves. I says, it's got to be either black or grey or something. So he gave me boots. He gave me the whole lot. And I come back and I just thought to myself, how on earth have I come to a club this big and they've got nothing? So got absolutely nothing. You were Albion legend, Ali Robertson, training at Wolves in Albion training kit and boots. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know how you got away with it from uh, the start off. Well, they didn't know that. <laughs> they didn't know it was Albion <laughs> stuff, but that was, that was how low, and it just shows you how low the club was. So f- from a football perspective then, what's going on in your head? Because you're coming in, like you say, it's been relegation after relegation. You've came from like the the career that you've had. These are rivals. You're 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 taught to hate the other. Mm-hmm. You come into this dressing room. You've got to get your own kit. And like you say, what what's going on in your head then? Within the first week I was there, I thought, right, 
come on, this is, you've got to be professional, do everything right, do everything right. Where I couldn't believe there was no camaraderie within the club. And that, no. was, a, that was the first thing I saw. And I thought, I can see now why they've come fourth, third, second, uh, well, all the way the opposite way, first, second, third, fourth. And there was nobody that was a leader within the club. You could see that the whole place had gone. I remember going home after a month, after two weeks, and I said to the wife, I went, what on earth have I done? Because the players that were there should never have been in Wolves strips. It's a horrible thing to say, but there was probably five or six of them should never have been there. And it was now getting Brian Little now, which is right, we need to get some players in. We need to get, the first thing is we need to get them to play in a way we want them to play because they were all over the shop. Nobody knew what to do. And that was our first part. We, we lost the first three or four games. We won one. Then all of a sudden, you could see things starting to change because we did get the right attitude from some of them. Then, of course, Brian got the sack. And we had we'd actually won three games, I think, three out of four games, and Brian got the sack. And he, I remember him phoning me up on this Sunday night, and he says, I just got the sack today. I went, you are joking. He went, no. He said, they've sacked me. I went, oh, who's coming in? Oh, we don't know yet. We don't know yet. So... That was for me being a player coach to Graham Turner turning up. And then, of course, this is where when I come into the club that Monday morning, I can't be in the coach's room because I'm nothing to do with the new manager. So I went into the player's room and it was quite funny. David Barnes, John Purdy and Mickey Holmes were the three funny lads. And I says, where can I strip lads? And they says, oh, yeah, we've got your peg. <laughs> and they put my peg in the toilet. So I, they say, when, when, we, when we believe that you're part of the players, we'll put you back in the dressing room. So for a week, I had to change in the toilet. Is it, did, but, but that shows you, inside football, that's where the great camaraderie is. Cause it, did the players give you stick for being so synonymous with Albion? No, because it was one of those. They, because, it's a horrible thing to say, they were bought with the fourth division. They couldn't believe that somebody like myself had come to the club. And that's what, I, that's what I seem to get. They seem to put me on a pedestal. And I was saying to them, no, I'm just the same as you. I'm playing for Wolves. I'm in the fourth division. I'm the same as you. It's now character and the right things that we do right will pick it back up again. But they kind of think, but you've been in the first division. I went, we're now all Wolves players. I'm a Wolves player. Forget the Albion. I'm a Wolves player. Because that was the biggest thing to get them to think the right because the club was was really on its knees oh, yeah. at the time, wasn't it? Yeah. Financially, the the stadium was crumbling around. Yeah. As you mentioned, the got to mention the fact that they're doing some drilling around, so you might hear some random noise in the background. Um, but you know, the the attendances, as you mentioned, were right down. Like this was not the Wolves that you'd have seen no. in the ten fifteen years previous. No. I remember we had played about I think it was about the third game at home, and we were getting beat. We, I think we got beat two one or three one. And as, as I've gone up for a header and had it clear, all I heard from the terraces, you Albion, and I've looked and gone, try to see who's said that. So I've won another header and I've heard it again. And it's a man with a young kid. And the two of them are shouting, this, that, whatever. I went up and says, I'll see you at the end, mate. So when the game finished, I ran back to the end, but you'd gone away. <laughs> I want to go up. I'll tell him I'm not an Albion. I'm a Wolves player now. That's gone. I'm part of this club now. And that was the biggest thing that you had to get in your head. I'm part of this club, and that is where we're going to be now. Forget how, that, tw- that 18 years at the Albion is gone. We start afresh. 
See that that takes that takes a lot. That's a I think that's a, a certain mental strength. You know, you say that Brian Little was a friend. He's he's offered you a player coaching role. Was that a major part as well? That the coaching side of it, thirty three, thirty four, when you when you joined the club, is that something that you're thinking about? Okay, that's an, another another career that comes after the playing, or was it mainly I'm coming in as that player, as that dominant character? Because I just speaking to you today, I I know already that you you were a bit of a hard man about and you didn't mess about and that's you're not going to be taken lightly that was one of those where when he says play a coach it was something that I never really wanted to become a manager or anything I always wanted to become a number two because I think because I got on great with all the lads and they knew my discipline and they knew what I wanted and that's what I wanted from there I don't think I would have been a good manager well I never made it as a manager but when I went there that's what I went there for and I think it was great just to go in and I look back now and to see the club do what happened, absolutely fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Because you went kind of full wolves when you moved over. I, I saw this quote from you. You said, I said to the Albion people, I hope we pass each other. I hope you come down and we go the other way. Well, Mr Saunders, who got rid of me, uh, me and him fell out when we left because I'd been captain, he joined the club, and from the day he joined the club, I was never in one team. I had to train on my own. For four months, five months, I trained on my own. I used to try and go and speak to him. He would never let me go and speak to him. And then this one day, this, the, we had the season finished, and this is again your character, I'm going to prove him wrong. I'm getting back in that team. I trained all through the summer. So when we come back to pre-season training... I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm good enough to get back in the side. Um, but he made me play with the 13. Yeah. He made me train on my own. He made me do this. So anyway, we played at Bedworth. And we had this game. It went to penalties. We got beat on penalties. They said to me, take a penalty. I said, hold on. I said, the young lads are here. I'm, it's no use me taking a penalty. These young lads have got to learn. They've got to take them. So then uh, Garth Crooks and Emory Varadi they had been taken off at half time and they had left. And the coach at the time was given Emery Varadi and Garth Crooks some, some stick. And I, says, I said to him, I says, hold on. I says, forget them, they're not here. These young lads have done brilliant today. I says, these are the ones we should be praising. Forget those two. Give those two a rollicking on Monday when you get them face to face. So anyway, because in the last four months, Clive Whitehead used to phone me up on a Sunday but he used to speak like Ron Saunders. And he used to speak, you wouldn't know it was anything different. He was brilliant at taking him over. So me and uh, Tony Gleese had gone out after this game, had a few beers and everything. And I got a phone call early on the Sunday morning. And the wife says, it's uh, the gaffer's on the phone for you. Well, I'm thinking now it's Clive Whitehead. I more or less told him to go away politely, <laughs> put the phone down. <laughs> so all I heard was 9.30 at the ground. So later on in the afternoon, I phoned Clive back. I says, what were you on about this morning? He went, what? I says, what were you on about this morning? He went, I haven't phoned you. I went, you haven't phoned me? You hadn't put Saunders' voice on? He went, no. I went, was that Saunders that phoned me this morning? He said, it must have been. So I turned up at training Monday morning, 9.30. That's all I remember, 9.30. I turned up at training, 9.30. Dave Matthews, a kit lads, come to me and went, where are you going? I went, what do you mean, where are you going? He says, well, I've got all your kit here. Well, you've been transferred, I mean. Not that I know of, no. Saunders just paid my contract up, kicked me out of the club. Simple as that. 
It's like I'm, 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 in, I'm in complete shock. It's like so you've, you've then, you've went to the rivals, and there's got to be a little bit of a, you know what I am going to show you. So I'm going to go there no matter, because Wolves, great history, big club. They've came down. They've, they are on their knees, and you have been. He has part of that rebuild mm. to kick them back and and to say that to someone that's just shoved you out the door. Yeah, well, I say to him, I hope you get relegated. Yeah. And I says wherever I go, because well, I knew I wouldn't get a first division club. I'd be second, third. And I said wherever I go, I hope we pass each other, and we actually did. And I couldn't wait to go to the Albion that day, and we won two one. The Albion that day. And I went, how fantastic is that? And like, <laughs> it's 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 horrible because I love the Albion. I, they are my heart. They are my heart. But for him to make me feel so much against them was wrong. If I had ever seen him outside after, and I told him this as I left, I said, if I ever bump into you, I will come and knock you. I says, because what you've done to me, it's not right. What he could have done was, I don't want you here. We'll help you find your club. Now, that is what I would have done. And I always remember about a year after, I'm playing golf at the Belfry, and he's on the other tee. And I've looked at him, I've gone, I'm gone, I've just thrown my clubs down. I've started going across, because I would have gone and nutted him. And my mates have jumped on me. <laughs> you can't do that, you can't do that. I went, what he's done to me? I could go and kill him. I says, he said, no, you can't. Just come away. And I went, OK, I better, I better listen to you. <laughs> so do you think almost if it hadn't, if it had worked out differently, Albion, you might not have ever left. Ended well. You might not have come to Wolves. Nope. Was it was it because of the way it ended there that Wolves became a very attractive proposition? Well, again, a horrible thing to say. This is a horrible thing to say. I had been. I could have gone to two or three other clubs. Wolves. I lived in Walsall. I didn't have to move. Kids were at school. Didn't have to do anything. So it's a horrible thing to say. But it, it was easy for me to stay. And that is a horrible thing to say, but once I got there, my character comes through, I'm now a Wolves person, we want to make this club better. And to to do what we did do, incredible. You said that uh, yourself and Brian Little, you changed a few of those players' attitudes. Brian Little goes, a new manager comes in. Again, you have a philosophy, you have a way that you want to play football. Might not be what Graham Turner Mm -hmm. was all about. How does that? Because another that's a conflict of interest right there, isn't it? Yeah. To be fair to Graham, within a week, he's come to me. He says, uh, I'm making you captain. I went, oh. I says, you don't need to. He says, no, I'm making you captain. You're the leader, I can tell. You're the leader. So he made me captain, and all of a sudden, we used to talk, we used to do everything. The change that he brought in, and of course he brings Bully in, he brings Tomo in, the change, the attitude of the players, if you don't want to play, go away. And he brought in a structure, this is how we played. And I, I'm, I remember going to say to him, we can't play like that booting balls in the corner. And he went, I'll prove to you in this division, it works. So, of course, he's got Bully and Mutchie up front. They're spinning around, we're putting balls over the top. They're getting in every time. Bully scored, was it 50-odd goals the first season? <laughs> yeah. And he, he come back to me after a bit, he says, can you see it works? <laughs> I went, Graham, I'll hold my hands up. Because <laughs> I, I says to him, I've been used to getting the ball, giving it there to midfield, to Brian Robson, to Lincoln Teller, to Tony Brown, to whoever he says, you've just mentioned three players that are world-class. We haven't got that standard of players, so the players we've got in this lower division, we've got to do the best things for them. And this is now the strength of the team. Those two lads up front will run everybody ragged. And it was 
proven completely. It was brilliant. brilliant. You mentioned Bully and Tomo. Um, they obviously they followed you from out. It's only a couple of months. Did you play a part? And then coming across, were you knocking on Graham Turner's no, door saying, oh, "There's no, two no. kids there"? I just remember Graham coming to me and saying, uh, "And this is this is a funny part." He says, "Oh, I've got two lads coming in, uh, Thompson and uh, Bully." I went, "Bully?" I says, "Bully will drive you mad." I says, "He'll score you probably twenty twenty five goals, but he'll miss fifty. I says, <laughs> "But I says, great kids and little Tomo, but a fantastic lad." But to be fair to Bully, you've got to give the coaches they used to take Bully. After every game, one against one. And he hit, he, all of a sudden, from starting blasting the balls in the corners, and Gary Penry said to him, when you get there one against one, whack it at the legs. And Bully went from that to that. Incredible. He, and I, it's, a, it's a shame, really, that he never got into the Premiership to prove he could, because he would have scored goals, because he proved that. He played for England, scored goals. Bully would score wherever he played. Then he was brilliant, brilliant. Did you did you realise very quickly, like with Graham Turner's style and the success that it was bringing, that the team was was on up and yeah, yeah. You could tell straight away because all he used to say to us, "Keep it organised at the back." And in the lower divisions, if we could keep it organised at the back, Bully and Muchy would score goals. Yeah. And and that's how simple it was. And we had a great we had a great thing that we used to talk to each other. Just say. If we're under pressure, go man for man. So the minute we were under pressure for five minutes, I just say to everybody, man for man. So we go man for man for five, ten minutes, kill the game off again. All of a sudden, ball's in the corner. We now have changed it all around again. And it was as simple as that. But Turner, Graham was brilliant. You've got to give him his, his credit for what he did. It was brilliant. Because we talk about you being a leader of that team, and it sounds like you know you very much instructed the guys, because there was a lot of youngsters in and around that group, wasn't there? The difference between kind of you, your stage of your career and the likes of Bully, Tomo, Robbie Dennison, Andy Murch, all these guys, how important was that leadership to them? Well, I think they knew how I was because I taught them how to drink and I used to go out drinking with them <laughs> and they knew the standard, what I wanted. And, and to be fair, we, we all got on great, but if somebody did something wrong, I'd be the first one to tell them. And if... To be fair to Graham, if Graham come in and did a team talk this out whatever, and a couple of lads weren't too happy about it, I'd go to them and go, whoa, 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 he's telling you what to do. That's what you do. I'd then go back to Graham. There's a couple of lads not listening to you on those things. You know, I'd tell him who it was, and he would work on them. And because it was a whole part of the club like that, and Gary Pendry, Gary was with, with me at West Brom as well, so we all knew each other, and it was great, great to be part of in the in the first season, uh, obviously at Wolves, you lost in the the two legged playoff final against Aldershot, but you were suspended, like you said earlier uh, before we started about you, you, know, you you retired winning that trophy. How was how was that how was that a, a hard one to take being suspended and well it was hard because Andy King was playing for Colchester that day that night and Colchester he ran the show. And it's quite funny, afterwards I said to him, I said, if I'd been on that pitch, you would never have done those things. I would have kicked you up and down, tail. Yeah. And we were unlucky that we just didn't take our chances. But when, when we look back, it was probably the best thing that happened to us, that we didn't get promotion that year, but we rebuilt, and from the start of the next season, we were just straight up. And you could see the whole thing, we were going to get promoted. 
you could see that we all felt that within ourselves. So losing that double, that that playoff, that that strength in the squad yes. in the in the long, yeah, 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 okay, yeah. I think maybe if it had gone up, then it might have just been too soon. Mm-hmm. It might have just been too soon. But uh, the next season, we made a little bit more money again. The club then got back in the feet a bit better. We could then start buying two or three players that could come in, and you could see us on the way up. It did, it did help. It did help because I guess uh, sometimes a lot of it's about momentum, and you built that momentum mm-hmm. through I mean we, t- we were talking about the Sherpa Van Trophy final which will be on the podcast by the way um, and you were talking about the fact that, you know there was you went from 3,000 crowds to 50,000 plus that went to Wembley the feeling around the whole place must have been incredible but it is it's you'll never know until you're part of it and to see the faces of all the all the, the Wolves fans and for us to win and to see them so happy and build up and the the way they were celebrating it's great as a player and we, I remember we went we had a, a night after we had a few beers and I think and I couldn't do anything because I was sitting at my ankle had, I thought I'd broken it but it was okay and uh, we all went out and all the lads were carrying me about in this chair which was great fun and then when like I said when we returned to Wolverhampton the next day to see the fans turn out for again in our time, the Sherpa van was a nothing trophy. But to see the fans turn out for us in that day, incredible. Now, you said, uh, obviously, you've Albion have a, a place in your heart, but you made a full 180, threw yourself into it. You led by example. You you, you put the demands on the players around you as well. But Wolves have a, has a place in your heart as well. Oh, you know, and it's oh. like you've, you've, you've yeah. you started that rebuild. It must have been, it must be a, a feel amazing that the achievement that you, that you've, you've dragged the club with the help of others, of course, yeah. forward. To see when we started, to see when I finished, incredible. It absolutely, like you say, your heart's there for that club. And people say to me, how can you be an Albion Wolves? I went, I love both clubs, I says. If anybody says anything, I'll go, whoa. I love both clubs. And I, I remember one of the games with the former players, I come to the Molyneux when Albion won 5-1. Right, uh, yeah, we'll gloss yeah. over that, yeah. And uh, so before the game, we used to go to the thing, we'd have a cup of tea, breakfast, all the fans, and then you'd go on the bus with the supporters. Well, the first thing I said, I said to them, right, by the way, everybody that's in the dressing room, everybody that's in the room here tonight, well, this, this morning, says, I might upset you all. And they've looked at me and went, I don't care who wins today. I says, if Albion win 5-1, I actually said that, or if Wolves win 5-1, I don't care. The one thing I care is I want both teams to stay up. I says, that's what means everything to me. Forget who wins, forget this, and how much stick I got for saying <laughs> Wolves 5-1. And I says, no, I was lucky enough to captain both clubs. I love both clubs, and both clubs mean things to me. I says, yeah. So I want, I says, I hope it's a draw today, but all I want to see is both clubs stopping up. And that would mean more than anything. Because you got to a situation uh, when the team got back to Division 2, you know, the championship in today's money, that kind of, I guess you were coming towards the end then and you knew you weren't going to be playing as much. And almost after you left, Sir Jack comes in and money. this place gets <laughs> rebuilt and money starts getting spent on the team. Three or four years younger, and all of that would have been there yeah. for you. It was. It's quite funny because when we won promotion, the last game was pressing North End away, 
and we've got and I thought now my contract's up this is my last game for Wolves so it was quite funny so I've turned up at the game and I've looked and there's all these big tartan scarves Ali's tartan army and I'm going so I'm saying to all the lads who's Ali that plays for them they're going what I says look Ali's tartan army all my brothers and sisters come down to watch my last game and they've all got these tartan scarves Ali's tartan army but then what I didn't know my sister's booked a hotel and everything, and we're all stopping over after the game. The lads went home and they'd phoned up Graham saying that I'm going to stop. You know, remember the old red book? My sister had made my life. And at night, we went through this, everything that happened from the day I was born, all through football career, all to this. And I thought, what a fantastic end to my career to have this. And then when, when I come back, then we're at thing. And Turner comes up to me and says, uh, I know the season's finished and everything. He says, but I'm going to give you another year. And I went, you what? I says, and I actually said, I says, my legs are gone. I says, we're in the second division. I won't be able to cope with the second division. He says, no, no, it's not for that. I want you in the dressing room. <laughs> and I started laughing. I said, so you're not going to play me? He says, oh, you might play a couple of games. He says, but I want you in the dressing room to be part of the dressing room. Make sure you keep them all right. I went, that is fantastic. And I, for somebody to do that to you, that just means how much they respect you and your attitude and what it is. To give you another year for nothing. Because you, you refer to them as your boys. Yeah. Yeah. Always, always, they're my boys. Always. Bully to the bully phoned me up the other day. It was a Tuesday. He phoned me up and I went, we're not going to Tuesday club again. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm too old for it now, Steve. <laughs> Because I, I got a couple of messages for you from some of them. Tomo sent me, he said, Ali was a top man when I joined Wolves. He was the chief organiser. And one of the reasons I settled into Wolves so quickly, he was a great leader on and off the pitch. And Andy Much said, um, Ali always had a smile on his face and oozed positivity. An absolute fantastic captain who led by example, both on and off the pitch. He really brought confidence to the team with his, his experience and no-nonsense attitude. The proverbial man's man who loved the crack. He changed with the coaches at first, but I think he missed the lads too much. Although I think he got fed up of us cutting his socks. <laughs> a genuine privilege to play alongside and a true top man. He says, all the best, Ali. Hope you're well. Oh, fantastic. No, but that was what you have in a dressing room. And once you lose the dressing room, I think it's completely right. When a manager loses a dressing room, you lose everything. It's so important, and I've had it all through my life. Don Howe lost the dressing room at West Brom and we got relegated. Then to see Johnny Giles come in and change the dressing room, change your attitude, and we got straight up promoted again. And that's where you learn. And that's where you see the dressing room means more than anything. Um, we're going to talk about the dressing room and the infamous Tuesday Club on our <laughs> podcast extra coming up very shortly. Just to finish off our Facebook show, we do a little thing called The Rundown where we kind of run through um, some about some of the people that you played with. So during your time at Wolves specifically, who was the best player that you played with at Wolves? The first season... Floyd Street was by, he was brilliant. I remember phoning up Big Ron and saying to Big Ron, Floyd Street, this lad shouldn't be here, he's too good for this. But Big Ron already had him at Cambridge or something, or, or knew of him. And I says, no, I says, he just needs somebody to be beside him and lead him 
and I, I was the one beside him and leader. He was brilliant. Mark Kendall, fantastic. And then you can't say anything about Bully or Mochi. Like, how lucky were we to have those two players? Yeah. On the other side of that, the worst trainer at the club. The worst trainer? Yes. Probably, um, who'd be the worst trainer? We were all quite good, actually. Don't sit in the fence, Sally. No, 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 we're all, we're all quite on. good. The, the only thing, Jackie Gallagher now at times, because he was a bit of a drinker, the same as us all, but every one of us, we were... I get the feeling that you wouldn't have allowed anyone to be a bad trainer. I'd be the... Oh, if, we were, if we were doing five-a-sides and somebody was lacking off, I'd kick them. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll, I'll, I'll say this about... Uh, how can I say? Somebody come to Albion from Villa, a winger, and all he talked about was Villa, 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 Villa. And this one day, I've got him away. You mentioned Villa in this dressing room again, I'll knock your head off. And all he talked about was this. So, I don't, you know who Ace is, don't you? You know who Ace is? I'll, just, I'll say Ace, so therefore people know who I'm talking about. So then he, he mentioned it again. I got him, I picked him up, and I went like that. But stop, stop there. I mean, you ever mention that again, you're, I'll kick you. Never mentioned Villa again, and he went from there to there, brilliant. And to this day, he's another one that will say, this when we meet each other, you're not going to punch me or anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, do it right, and nobody will tell no, Tony Marley, Tony Marley, he's so funny, so funny. Um, who was the biggest moaner at Wolves? Mochi. Much he was like, oh, moaned at everything. <laughs> <laughs> Who was your best friend in football? Uh, Who is, sorry, your best friend in football? I'd probably, there's probably that many. Cyril, God bless him. Brian Robson, Derek Statham, Tony Brown. From the uh, Bully, Tomo, Robbie Dennison. You know, it's fantastic. I've been so lucky that in my career, I've met so many lovely people. You'll always get a few bad ones in, in football, but we've been so lucky to meet so many lovely people. And doing the former players with Brendan and everybody, we all keep in contact. Brendan's been my best mate since he started the Alway. We still keep each other to, today. We still go to the games together and everything. And it's great to have had that camaraderie. Um, we'll finish the rest of these on the podcast just at the final one for the Facebook show what was your proudest moment at Wolves well the proudest moment was at Wembley with the Sherpa van and then the other time was when he made me captain like to be made captain as a player that is fantastic wherever you are that is to me I always say if you're made captain they must think that much of you to put you there and for me to be made captain, then to win the two leagues promotions, and then the chef of art. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. The Old Gold Club. Powered by Wolverhampton Building Supplies. For the best price locally, head to wolverhamptonbuildingsupplies.co.uk. So that was the show. Uh, on with the podcast. Yeah, you can take your headphones off if you want now. I know you don't like them. Um, I say we're going to get to the Tuesday Club in a minute because I'm fascinated by all of this. But um, just to finish off our little rundown, uh, who had the best and worst dress sense when you were at Wolves? Uh, who would you say? Mark Kendall. <laughs> really? Why? <laughs> he just—he was never 
bothered with anything. You just do whatever. It was one of those. And where every one of us, you would want your boss suits on and be this, that, whatever. Mark just had what he wanted. The album like this. Here we go. <laughs> uh, who was the funniest player that you played with at Wolves? Jackie Gallagher. He was. He just never stopped laughing. Anywhere you went, whatever you did, Jack would always find a funny part of it. And he was. He just laughed at everything. You could give him the biggest rollicking of his life. He just, yeah, okay. But he just carry on, yeah. I'll have another pint. <laughs> and he was so funny. The jokes he used to come out with. Good God. Um, I should say, by the way, they managed to stop drilling, but we now have a ridiculous wind outside, <laughs> the, outside our studio, if you can hear that on our microphones. Um, what was the best goal? And uh, we kind of, because I'm conscious that you've been a central defender. So normally we would say, what's the best goal you scored? We also add in, or saw scored during your Wolves time. <laughs> Well, Wolves time, I didn't ever score a goal. So I, I probably <laughs> yes. scored a few own goals. But again, at Wembley, those goals going in at Wembley. Robbie Dennison's yeah, free kick. Out this world. And it's to see any... I'm one of those defenders. Any goal that goes in is brilliant. It's one of those, you're at the back, you do your job here, they do their job there. Any ball that goes in that net is brilliant. And to see Bully score so many goals, <laughs> it's brilliant. I think this next one will be uh, a few different games for different reasons. Uh, what was the best game that you were involved in for Wolves? I would have said when we we beat, was it Burnley down here to go up, to, to win the league? Who did we beat here to win the league? I will check that out for you. Uh, and that to me was great. We, we won the game and we had to win. And to how we all played, and I gave, I gave a goal away as well at the, at the start... And but we went on to win it, which yeah. was for me me making the mistake at the start, and for us to go on and win it, brilliant. Then we got promotion that night. Say, Tomo has told me some stories about the Tuesday night club. This is the best part that I've been looking forward to on this <laughs> podcast for quite a while because we've talked a lot about you being a leader and being the the link man and the organizer. You took that to not just be on the pitch, and not just in the dressing room, but away from the stadium on nights out as well. Well, I did. I was the old man, so I needed some lads to go out with, and I just found that after training, everybody would. When I joined the rules, after training, everybody was just going off separate ways and going home. That just seemed like I said earlier, there was no camaraderie. So I then started saying to them, right can't we go for a drink together lads after training we'll go for a drink one or two started then we went up to Kipps then the gaffer at Kipps we says come in so all of a sudden then it was like six, seven, eight, nine of us would be going up and you could see the difference in the camaraderie the difference in the team playing everything pro- progressed from that so having been at Albion and having there used to be ten of us that were a bit of a drinkers and we all kept together and this was this was us during a week and on a Thursday night there was Tony Gordon, Brendan Batson, Derek Statham, John Wyland, and Tony Brown didn't come, myself, uh, Laurie Cunningham, Ali Brown, Cyril Regis, Brian Robson, Lincoln Tello, Willie Johnston, we all went out on a Thursday night and we did everything that you did on a Thursday night, drank too much, did everything that you did but we 
every one of us laugh together, we giggle together. But when it comes to Friday morning's training, Big Ron used to pull me in your school. I've got how many phone calls? You lot were all drunk last night. And I went, tell me after Saturday. So after Saturday, we'd win. I'd go back and knock on his door. So is, is it okay for next Thursday again? Because we've won. And Big Ron just used to laugh. As long as you keep on winning, I don't care. <laughs> well, because of all that, that's what I tried to bring here. And I got them all into it. And uh, after about three months, there was probably eight, nine, ten of us. And that used to be Tuesday club because we got Wednesday off. So it used to be up into Kipps at first, two or three beers. Then we go to this odd spot in Birmingham and we'd be there till 10 o'clock at night and get home. And the laughs that we had, everybody just takes the mickey out of each other. And the giggles that we had was brilliant. So who was in that, that 10, can you say? <sighs> Tom I was, I know Tom I was. Tom O'Bully, uh, Muchy, uh, Robbie D. There was like you say, there was all different fives and six and eights and nines yeah. and tens. Jackie Gallagher, uh, David Barnes. The only one that never ever come was Mark, Mark Kendall, because Mark wasn't a drinker. But he'd come and have a giggle with us at, at Kipps, but he wouldn't drink, but then he would go home from that. But the rest of us would all go out. And it, it, you just get togetherness. Then when you come into training on the Thursday, everybody would be laughing at each other. What about so-and-so? What about he was talking about? What about he? But it, kept, it keeps the whole dressing room together. And that's what I think was great about it. Yeah, I think uh, I think moments like that uh, when I when I came into football, it was very very much present. I think now with social media and the you way the media it. is, it's impossible. It's impossible to do. You can't go anywhere because everyone everyone's a journalist now, which is you know what? It's so important for the yeah. dressing room yeah. to have those that those team bonding times because, like you say, it brings the dressing room together. And you do notice the difference. You know, you're having a few beers with someone and you're going playing with that person mm -hmm. uh, through the week. It makes a massive difference in a positive way. Well, for me, John Kay was my hero at West Brom. And when I got into the team, and I'm only like 17, got into the team, and they used to call me the Coca-Cola kid because I wasn't a drinker. And uh, he says, right, you're meeting me Thursday in the White House at, in uh, Aldridge. No, I don't. I said, you're meeting me. So he made me come to the, the pub and I says, I'll have half a lager and lime. You're having a pint. <laughs> so a pint. And he says, from now on, you come with me on a Thursday night, we're having a drink, because you've got to be in the first team now. He says, so you've got to be part of us. So he made me drink two and three pints, and that's, that's there was a change. And I says, don't tell my dad, because my dad doesn't know a drink. Whenever my dad comes down, don't give me a drink. Well, saying that, every time my mum and dad come to a game, all the lads used to bring me pints over and pints over and pints over. <laughs> I'd have about six pints and I'd say, Dad, they're just taking the mickey. Look, I don't drink them. <laughs> they used to be looking at me and just giggling. <laughs> but that was the whole thing that made me feel it was right because John Kay showed it to me. Yeah. I then We then had it all at the 78 side, which was probably the best side West Brom have had. And that kept us all together. And that's what I tried to bring to Wolves. And it worked. Yes. Because uh, you told us that they, they put you in the toilet when you first went in the dressing room. Yes. Andy Mo said they used to cut up your socks. Yes. Every, I, what I used to do, I had this fetish on boss socks. So they used to cut the big toes out of them. <laughs> Just the toe? Just the toe. So, so when you put it on, your big toe was sticking out the top. <laughs> 
but saying that, those were the things that we used to do in the dressing room. Like, go back to the Albion in the dressing room. Mick Martin was the funniest lad out. And uh, Mick Martin used to come in these shoes and he used to stand in them, stand out of them, get undressed, do the thing. And when he, when he was going back out again, he just put his feet back in the shoes and walk away. So there's Brian Robson and myself. We'd been injured, so we're looking. We said, what can we do to these shoes? We said, come on, we'll, we'll glue them to the ground. So we asked Dave Matthews, do you got any glue, Dave? He said, no. He says, I says, well, you got any nails or anything? He says, oh, I've got a couple of nails. He brought us these big six-inch nails, so we nailed them <laughs> to the floor. Mick put his feet in them, tried to walk away. How he didn't break his nose on the... On the table, but those were the things that you did. And when when we were when again when we were young, John Osborne was the worst. He was the worst person for clothes ever. He used to come in these old trousers. Old Jeff Astor used to cut them off with the knee. But then we all used to put fifty p in so he could buy another pair. So he'd come in with worse ones on. Oh, he's nobody cut them. He'd come in so hoping people were cutting them <laughs> so we got another pair of trousers. And that's when it happens to you as you're young, and you can see it's a laugh. It's nothing nasty. You can see it's a laugh. You do it all the way through. Yeah, I think it's important. I think you were saying earlier about, obviously, it's something that we're trying to eradicate from the game altogether. Racism, you know, and certain players. Uh, and you led by example there as well. You actually stopped the players from reacting in certain situations, which, which again, probably just incites a reaction in a negative way. So can you, if you can, tell us a little bit about that as well. Yeah, with, with West Brom, with, with, with the three lads... We used to play, West Ham were the worst, Leeds were as bad, Newcastle were bad. They used to throw bananas on, they used to give them so much stick. But Brendan, I used to pick them up, put in his trousers. But we used to, the more they got stick, the harder we tried. Because we used to prove them, we're going to beat you. Don't care less if you're pink, black, blue, green. This is, we're going to fight for you. The same happened with with us at at Cardiff. I've knocked the ball to... uh, David Barnes, who we called Digger Barnes. And I've went, man on Digger. The whole crowd started shouting. And I said to him, don't react, don't react. Just smile, we're winning. We'll go through this game, we'll win the game, walk off the field smiling, and they can't do a thing. If you walk off giving them stick, they'll start spitting on you, they'll do things. Walk off laughing, and that's the thing. We were so lucky that we all got on well together. And that is a great thing. And it just shows you when, if somebody does give you stick, come on, prove them wrong. We'll prove that we're better than you lot. Because you were saying to us before as well, and I guess even more so, I mean, it, it came from being at Albion, but even more so here when a lot of the lads were younger, that if somebody kicked one of the teammates, you took it was your responsibility to go and sort it out for who, who Again, who, who taught me that was Johnny Giles. Johnny Giles come to us as manager from, from Leeds, and Johnny was a hard man, great man, best manager I've had, absolutely brilliant. And he used to say to us at the Leeds games, if somebody kicks you, make sure you kick him back for me. So, like, Tony Brown was my hero. And Tony Brown, I got booked more for Tony Brown than anybody else. Because if anybody kicked Tony, I would trample on them, I would punch them, I would do them because I would make sure I'd get them back. But that was Johnny Giles, that's how he taught us all to do if somebody kicks me, and he used to look at me, if somebody kicked him, just look, look at me, I would say, I'll get him. But the same thing, if somebody kicked me, Jelsey would kick him. And that's what you learn through football. Because if he gave it back, he got booked. Straight away, he got booked. Yeah, the referee's looking for it, isn't yeah. he? But so. if somebody else did it, you're all right. 
Um, just to finish, uh, when you look at this place now, from what it was when you first arrived, can you believe where the football club has got to? It's incredible to see it now compared to then. We had mice and rats and everything running about and the time the changing room, the kit was dirty, nobody was washing, you had to more or less wash your own kit and everything. Now, to see this, how fantastic. That is brilliant. To see a club come so far now and you only hope now, we're in the Premiership, we can build to be in the top, we'll never say the top six, say the top ten of the Premiership, it'll be fantastic. But the biggest thing for me now, which is... I'm not a lover of. The biggest thing now, it's not how good your manager and coaches are, it's how much money you've got. And that's where you've got to have good coaches and good managers, but it's how much money the club's got to, to buy the players. And that's where, in our day, we had great sides, but you never really paid for them. They were brought up through the youth team. And it's sad that there's not enough coming through with the youth. That's the, the only it, thing that I would look at. Didn't you used to train on the car park? Yeah, Friday morning was car park. And it's. I remember once we had to move this car. We, we come out to do, and this car was a car park there, so we had to lip, bump this car across off the car park. Oh, there's you, Bully, and everyone. About 10 of us bumping this car off the car park. But again, that was a Friday morning. We knew that's where it was. We knew it was a laugh and a giggle. It was Oldens versus Youngens. That's how it used to be, Oldens versus Young. And it was brilliant. Absolutely. Nobody ever got injured. Nobody got But it was fantastic. And I'll bet you, if you said to these players now, right, we'll do a warm-up on the car park before on a Friday and do a train on a Friday, can you imagine what a player in this day and age would do? What do you think about that? You know, like, the players players have changed, haven't they? A lot. You know, they're, they're not as hardened, you know, very much, I guess, in, in their own, own bubble. You know, I think it's a little bit out of... Not, 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 think, not with reality. Yeah, I think for me now, we were fit lads, aggressive. These lads now are athletes. Yeah. They are athletes. That's why there's so many little niggly injuries now. In our day, we would play with half a strain, half of this. You'd go out 70% fit. The players now couldn't go out 70% fit. And that is a big thing now. To, to me now, they are so fit and but I would love to see just allow tackles to come back in. Being a defender, that was my biggest asset. I was a great tackler, but you you can't even touch somebody now. Yes. You can't even touch it. And like to see go back to my days, you see John Wyle, who was my partner at the back. Nobody ever beat John Wyle in the air. He was absolutely brilliant. But you can't even see defenders really great headers of the ball now because there's that many things going on. And the one thing that I would love to stop and send anybody off, for defenders to hold a centre-forward, they should be sent off. They should be sent off. And nowadays, if I was marking you, all I would make sure is, I'm goal side, I'm going to attack that ball. You wouldn't be looking at the player and try to hold him to get to the ball. That, to me, is that is not a defender. Yeah. That is not a defender, but everybody does it. Yeah. Everybody does it. Um, do you want to clear this thing out? I know you wanted to find out the game. Was it an 88 promotion or the 89 promotion that you couldn't remember? The second one. Second one. So 89. Um, I've got the fixtures up on here. So um, you're actually away for the last two games. 
the last home game. No, no but it must have been the year before then. The, the home game we won to 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 win. Promotion. In in eighty eight, um, the tell me the team that we played at home last one. So the last home game of that season was Hartlepool. No, who you won two No, we probably probably got promotion a we'd, long we'd way before had one that. before that. You'd played Swansea. No. Uh, you'd played Colchester. Uh, you'd been away at Burnley and won. You played Darlington and won 5-3. That was way back in the oh. March. So go, go to the end of the other one. Then. So we'll go to the 89 season. So say the last home game of that season Sheffield. was Sheffield United. Sheffield, that's it. Sheffield Sheffield United was a 2-2 draw. Yeah. And 9th of May. But as long as we didn't get beat, we, on that night we won. Yeah. And uh, we won promotion. And I gave a goal away at the start. And we, we come back. I remember come back. Fantastic. And this place must have been unreal. Again, off. Because that the big South Bank at yeah, the time yeah. used to be seventeen thousand in there, wasn't it? Seventeen, nineteen thousand. I, I don't know if you've ever seen any pictures of it, Looms. Like it's unreal that stand. There's a famous picture of um our friend sadly departed Foz on the final day yeah, Foz, of the yeah, South yeah. Bank, kind of in amongst all the yeah. fans on it. And it's just unreal how big that was. Basically same as I went to uh, Kidderminster supporters branch the other week and we got in there and two supporters come up to me and they said do you remember today? and I'm going what's that? The 25th of October do you remember the 25th of October? and I'm going 25th of October what's that? 49 years ago you made your debut <laughs> oh thank you for ruining my night <laughs> and then they say then, then they come and showed me and this is this is a little bit it's fantastic and they say Weren't you frightened of crowds? I says, no, crowds never bothered me. There was 47,000 at the Man United when I made my debut. I played against Everton, and Everton beat us at Everton to win the league. There was 59,000 there. And there was another game, 49,000. says, those were the three highest crowds at Albion played that season, and you played in the games. Did the crowd not get to you? No, crowds never bothered me. I was lucky that... My dad used to tell me when we were kids, don't look at the don't look at the crowd. When you walk out, look. And I used to look at the ground, never bother with the crowds. And from that day on, never never ever bothered. Like to, and when they say it, then you look back and you think, bloody hell, forty seven thousand, fifty nine thousand, like it was only seventeen. How'd you cope with it? Well, it kind of nicely brings us back to the Sherpa Vans final, of which there was probably about half a million Wolves fans <laughs> who were playing into a there that day. Yes, absolutely. Again, something that. It will be in your memory for life. That was something that you'll never, ever, ever forget. Never forget. And the feeling for all the lads and to win, incredible, incredible. The Old Gold Club, powered by Wolverhampton Building Supplies, official partner of Wolverhampton Wanderers. Thanks for downloading the Old Gold Club podcast. For more great content, check out rules.co.uk or follow at rules on social media. Oh, and by the way, please support us by rating and reviewing our podcast on iTunes and Spotify.